Okay, I'll do it. Hi, <laughs> you're listening to An Open Dialogue. I'm Violet Howe. And I'm Tadra Kanda. And I am so excited to say that it is Oscar season. But does anybody really care this year? Do you care that it's Oscar season? I no. honestly, no. I didn't even know. I, I had no idea. See, I think they, I think you're in the majority. Like, I really, yeah. as you know, I'm diehard Oscar fan, diehard movie fan. Um, I usually go to the Best Picture Showcase with friends every year. The theater was not hosting it this year. So I hosted it at my house with my little group of vaccinated friends. It's the first party I've thrown in over a year. So you should have seen the list of themed concessions that I had for four people. Like, it was insane. But, um, yeah, I just think that this year... With everything that's happened with the the pandemic, I, I just think that it's not on, like some people it's never on their radar, let's be right. honest. But I think even for some people who love movies, it's movies are just not on the radar. I have, I have had so many people say to me, how are they going to do the Oscars when no, there's been no movies released? Yeah. And so people don't even realize that movies have been released like this whole time. Um, and I think that it's just not, it's just not a priority right now. There's so much else going on that is just yeah. not a priority for people. I don't think it's, uh, yeah, I don't think it's been a priority for me for a long time. I can't remember really a time. And I'm sure if I sat down and went through year by year, maybe I would, but when I would say, oh, I, I, you know, this, this should have been best picture. I get it. Most of the time I tend to um, like movies that are not necessarily, um, you know, blockbuster. Well, and I don't think the Academy chooses blockbuster. I mean, I think that's one, that's actually a criticism that a lot of people have about the Oscars is that the Academy chooses these like, you know, bizarre films that a, a lot of years people haven't heard of the best picture right. nominees. Um, and I think that's one of the image problems that the Academy has is that they pick these like out of the way films. But, um, I, don't know. I would I, say that over the past 10 years, I probably have not seen, how many are nominated each year for Best Picture? Like five, six? No, it three? ranges anywhere from eight to 10 usually. Okay, eight to 10. So let's say 10 years. So that's that's between 80 and 100 films. And I've probably seen three out of those 80 to 100 films. And I've probably I just, seen 90. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just, it's just not, it's just not, um, I like what I like. And and I also think this year, in addition to the pandemic, I don't know that it's entirely the pandemic. I'm sure it's partly that. But um, I also think that in the last five years, maybe a little bit uh, more or less than that, we have so many other venues for for entertainment. So, you know, right. uh, with, with me, I am much more likely to see something that is a... Um, uh, you know, released directly to Netflix or to HBO Max or to Hulu or to Amazon Prime than I am to see something in the movie theater. I mean, and I think I especially in this hand. past year with the pandemic, I really think streaming and I mean, yeah. streaming and binge watching were popular before that. But I really yeah. think that everyone spent this past year streaming and, and binge watching. And so many of the movies that are nominated this year are actually from streaming networks. Right. Um, like, you know, Which Hulu is, great. is represented, Amazon that. is represented, Netflix is represented. So I, I really think that um, you're starting to see them branch out from just the big powerhouse studios into these streaming networks, you know, each year you're seeing more and more nominations for the streaming networks. So um, I don't know, like it, it'll be interesting to see 
I think theaters have been obviously shuttered, you know, through the the pandemic. And, and even since they opened, I think they've really struggled to try to get people back in the theaters, which is, you know, kind of indoor setting with a group of strangers all breathing and coughing and eating together is really not. I mean, I'm hey, a diehard theater person. Drive-ins are making a comeback. Yes, they are. I have, um, I've kept all of my like movie memberships to try to support the theater industry, but I haven't, there's only one time I've been back in a theater and that was because a friend of ours was nominated for a film award and I was almost hyperventilating because they had, they had assured us that when we went in, um, there would be like, you know, social distancing or whatever. And no, there were people coughing right behind me and people coughing right in front of me. And like, it was not pleasant, but, um, I don't know. It will be interesting to see in all areas of life. It'll be interesting to see what normal is coming out of this pandemic. God yeah. willing that we come out of this pandemic. But um, I really think it'll be interesting to see what happens with not only the theater industry, but with movies in general. I mean, you've even got some of the big studios that release straight to streaming. You know, Disney yeah. Plus got a lot of, of straight releases. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens with movies in the future. I don't yeah. think we'll stop telling movies. I don't think we'll stop having movies. I think no, that art is a very important escape and art is a very important, um, you know, aspect of, of our lives and something that we need as humans. So I don't think we'll stop having movies. It's just no. the format in which they're produced and shown may change. And I think that we will not have, you know, I remember when, when, um, you know, Amazon Prime and, and, and Netflix and whatever, and everybody, produ everybody uh, predicted the death of, the movie theater experience, right. and that that hasn't happened. And it was interesting. Um, David, my son, and I were talking about. We watched uh, um, the four-hour uh, director's cut of um, Justice League what two or three weeks ago, something like that. And I'm not a DC girl, but I loved it. I was like, wow, this was really good. So he tells me that they are considering releasing a six-hour cut director's cut of um, Endgame from Marvel. Oh, nice. And he said, if they show that in the theaters, I'm going to be there because I want to, I want that experience. Like I want to See, be with other yes. people. And and we were talking about having seen Endgame and how, you know, we all gasped at the same time. We all cried at the same time. We all laughed at the same time. And, and there is something to be said for that. Um, I love know. being able to hit pause and get up and go to yeah. the restroom or get up and fix a snack or, right. you know, whatever. But I just love the theater experience. I yeah. love sitting there. Exactly what you said. There's a collective group of people who are experiencing something together and you laugh together and you gasp together and you hope together and you cry together. And there's just, I love that. I love that collective energy. I've always been one who tries to go on opening nights for that mm -hmm. very reason, because there's so much energy in an opening night film. Um, and it's funny because since we've been doing this Oscar Best Picture Showcase, I think it's been like six years or seven years now that we've been doing it every year. And we we try to gamble. And any any films that are getting Oscar buzz, we try not to go to the theater. Why are you laughing? I'm sorry. I have a cat who is coming around here and I'm like watching her and I'm waiting for her to knock off my computer. She's like, 
jungle catting around it. I'm sorry. I, I'm trying, but I, I was getting ready to catch the computer. This is live. This is live television, folks. Exactly. Yes, no, I, I know. You, you've, you, and I, I knew this about you, that you make a, you make a, a concerted effort not to see any film that, that looks like it might go into that. Right, until, which kills me yeah. sometimes when right. like everybody's sure. buzzing about it and everybody's talking right. about it and I um, you know, can't go and see it because I really think it's going to get an Oscar. But yeah. I will say the these showcases like they you know they've sold out in years past obviously we're not having it um this year but to be in a theater with people that are there for anybody who doesn't know the best picture showcase is usually the two saturdays prior to the oscar awards ceremony and they run all of the best picture nominees back to back so it's usually four to five films each day when you go into a theater with a group of people who are ready to sit there for 10 to 12 hours and watch four to five films back to back you're passionate about films and you're sharing this collective energy and between films, everybody talks and like, so right. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'm ready to give up the theater experience. Right. In fact, my husband and I were talking about, cause we've had our first shots. I'm actually getting my second shot today and he gets his second shot on Monday. And we've talked about like when we're vaccinated, what do you, what is it that you want to do first? And I said, first, I want to hug, <laughs> you know, I want to hug loved ones and hug friends. But my second thing was theater. I want to go to the movies. Like I really yeah. miss that experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I will say that in the past few years, I think I have, um, I have enjoyed, uh, we have the Enzian not too far from us. Yes, I love it. So, right, and so that's where I go because I really, I have enjoyed more of the off the beaten path films that like are not film. even on, yeah, but but that are not, I've seen a lot of uh, films there that are not anywhere near the best picture, you know, the. Buzz. They are mostly independent. Um, we saw Jackie there a few years ago. That was excellent. We saw um, something about France. I can't remember what it was. It was a great film. I enjoyed it. But um, just so people know that are listening, the Indian is yeah. like a small independent theater. Um, they have tables and chairs, and they serve right. yummy food and, and drinks, and they have film well, festivals, they serve food. and they have they serve, they serve food. drinks. They do serve drinks too, but I'm not sure that I would call it yummy food. It's it's your basic. Oh, you know, I thought you were saying that they fare. didn't serve drinks. It's, no, 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 no. They do serve. You're going drinks. to the theater. And, and, they serve more right. than popcorn and hot dogs. Right. Um, well, yeah, that's true. And and I mean, they do yeah. show a lot of like art house films they or do. indie films and um, yeah. you know and limited runs. Uh, bar outside too, mm -hmm. and they do also show films outside. And on they have a, drinks. Like, they do. They do. They do. One of the things that that. I, I thought about with, with this, with the Oscars this year, um, because all of the award shows, and you know, I'm also an awards show junkie and there's people who mm -hmm. don't care and that's fine. Um, that's why God made green and red apples. Cause we don't all like the same things, <laughs> but, um, I think it would be really sad if you were a director or a writer or a producer or a actor or a stuntman or a makeup person, whatever, and you've poured your life into this career and you finally are in a film and it's going to premiere and no one can go to the theater to see it. Yeah. No one is hearing about it because it's not in the theater. There's no red carpet premiere. There's no like, you know, seeing all the buzz. I, I just think that would be really, um, and, and again, everything put in perspective with the pandemic, people are dying and losing loved ones. Obviously that's the most important thing. But when we look at like someone's career and, and kind of like what you would consider the pinnacle of their career, yeah. if you get nominated for an Oscar and instead of the red carpet and the Vanity Fair party, you're sitting at home on your couch with some chips and a computer on Zoom, it's just a little bit 
sad that they don't yeah. get to have that full experience. Yeah. And I've I seen think. some people, I, I don't know what, maybe it's for the um, SAG Awards or- SAG Awards, Golden Globes, um, Critics' Choice, a lot of those have already happened this right. season. Right, and, and I've seen people dress up for them mm -hmm. and you know at home, which to me, I think, yeah, that, that would not be my choice. Um, it would and, totally and, and be my been, choice. <laughs> there have been um, times, or, I, we watched SNL a few weeks ago, and I can't remember who the host was, but he had been nominated for something and won. And um, when they went to thank him- Was it him, Dan Levy? No, it was not. This, is, this was just maybe not this past week, but the week before. And he- um, or maybe it was this. No, it was the week before. Um, he, he he was on mute. They couldn't get his sound to come on when he won. So he showed the footage of it. He said, yeah, this was me winning and this is me not saying a word. See, and that's like as, as someone who and you and and part of this plays into the fact that like since I was literally like three or four years old, I've wanted to be an actress. That was what I always told people I was going to be. They have home movies of me accepting my awards at a very young age. So as someone who has always like dreamed of that acceptance speech, that would really suck that you finally got nominated and you finally got awarded and you're the acceptance speech is my favorite part of the show and your acceptance speech is muted. Like that just would be like, really? Seriously? Thanks universe. <laughs> um, Kaylee Cuoco from Big Bang Theory. Um, right. She has had some really cute videos on her Instagram live because she was nominated for um, the flight attendant. Right. And, and like she hasn't won. And so, you know, she comes home in the dress, like one of them, she was like sitting in the kitchen floor in the big poofy dress, eating pizza and drinking champagne and having cookies. Like somebody had made special cookies for her. And another one, um, I think it was Screen Actors Guild Awards. She came home in the evening gown and she goes in her bedroom and like throws back the covers, gets in bed in the evening gown and starts watching, um, oh, Dan Levy's show, uh, Shit's Creek. Oh, so, oh. yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was pretty funny, like, you know, the reactions and like Nicole Kidman has had some gorgeous, uh, like hair and makeup and, and dress sessions. They've done photography sessions at her ranch. Um, and some of them have been absolutely gorgeous. So I think some of the pictures have actually been prettier than they would have been on the red carpet because they've been at like, you know, gardens or pools or home or whatever. But I do think as an actress, I think it would be sad for such a an important moment in that particular industry to just be less than what it's supposed to be because some of those people may never get nominated again yeah. you know Very so yeah. yeah um who was it Rosie Perez I think was saying that she got nominated like 30 years ago for something and she's never wow. even been asked back She's yeah. never like she's never been invited to come back as a presenter or anything. So that was like her one and what done. What was she nominated for? I remember that, I but what know. was it? Isn't that terrible? I don't know. I'll look her up. It may not have been Rosie Press. I, I'm almost positive that it was. She was nominated. I remember that. I just don't remember what it was for. I don't either. Years ago, but, you know, it was. I'll look her yeah. up. Yeah. Somebody I saw a meme this week that said, "Us talking about the '80s now I is know. like people." Yes. In the 80s, talking about the 40s. I know. Oh, Isn't that crazy? That is insane. Isn't that crazy? That's well, really insane. You know, when when you have children and you start putting these things in perspective, you know, um, I remember one time my one of my kids said, well, you were only born like 20 years after World War II. And I was like, what? That, 
Yep, that's that's pretty much right. My husband definitely was twenty oh years. Oh my gosh! But yeah, I mean, twenty years. And, when did and the war? Think, the war ended in forty-five. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was born twenty-three. I mean, because you're so much older than me. I remember. So much older than you. Yeah, but so yeah, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, it's just how that's I mean insane. things have changed so radically from nineteen forty-five to nineteen sixty-five or sixty-seven or sixty-eight. So yeah, but. And I don't think like I don't feel like things have changed as radically between now and the 80s as they did between the 40s and the 80s. With everything, with technology, yeah. with society, with you know, and I, I mean, Norms, obviously, we can yeah. definitely see changes, but right, it's such definitely. a drastic change from the yeah. 40, like the 40s seems like a completely different era oh, in, entirely. Yes, Rosie Perez was nominated um, as for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for her performance in Fearless. In 1993. Oh, fearless. I don't remember that. Who else was in that? I don't one? either. Like, I feel kind of sad that she got nominated. It was uh, Jeff Bridges, Isabella Rosalini, John Turturro. Oh, 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 yes. I do remember that one now. What okay. was it about? Should I go check it out? You might guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Somebody I, I like have a vague memory of it. I, I can't somebody say. Somebody survives exactly. an airline crash. Mm. I don't know. All right. Hmm. Hmm. All right. So, yeah, I think that's. So think when that's are the Academy Awards? Next Sunday night, the 25th. Okay. okay. The 25th. So we did four films last week. Last week we saw The Father with Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman. We saw Mank with Gary Oldman and Amanda Seyfried. We saw. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah with Daniel Kaluuya uh, and Lakeith. That one I do know because that was direct. That was um, released directly to HBO Max. So that one, that one I am. And we saw Promising Young Woman with Carrie Mulligan. And oh, uh, no, she, she like my, yeah, she just she just hosted SNL this past week. So now yes, I know because everybody she did said because to her me, husband um, yeah, Marcus Mumford, yeah, right, he like came out, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so if you want my Oscar review, my my Siskel and Ebert. Violet Howe review. Um, I would say that the father with Anthony Hopkins, definite two thumbs up. Um, Olivia Coleman, I love. She's absolutely too. wonderful in everything that I see her in, but she was great. And Anthony Hopkins, of course, Sir Anthony yeah, brought it. Um, it was um, the movie deals with a, an older gentleman who is facing. Um, you know, dementia and, and mental decline, which is a very scary, uncomfortable topic to watch. But I will say the way that they filmed this and the way they handled it, it is definitely worth the watch. It was it was very interesting. I think we spent the first hour of the movie collectively just looking at each other going, what the hell? What the hell? What the hell? So um, it's 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 very good. I would definitely recommend it. Mank um, with Gary Oldman and Amanda Seyfried. God bless them. They made a wonderful movie and congratulations on being nominated for an Oscar. I hated it. It was oh. all I could do to keep my eyes open. I, it was just a sleeper for me. I am big confession here. I'm not a fan of black and white films. And it was it was filmed in, in black and white, but also in the style of it's about the making of um, or it's about the writing of Citizen Kane. And so it was filmed oh, in kind of like that style. Yeah. And I knew nothing about it. And Mank is what it's called. Mank, because the guy's name was um, Herman Mankiewicz. Oh, that's who wrote yes, the yes, screenplay yes. with Orson Welles. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, 
was not a fan and God bless Amanda. Yeah. Good luck to you girl. But I have no idea why she got nominated. Mm -hmm. um, and then Judas and the black Messiah. I, it was also based on a true event that I knew nothing about. And it's like one of those movies where you watch this and you go, how did this happen? How did they do this? Like, um, so it was, I thought that was a good one. And then promising young woman with Carrie Mulligan is about a young woman who, um, and I'll just tell you what's in the trailer. I won't give any way, anything that's not in the trailer, but it's about a young woman. Who goes she's to, very promising. Yeah. <laughs> um, she goes to bars and uh, pretends to be extremely inebriated in order to lure in young men who take advantage of girls who are extremely inebriated. Um, and I won't tell you any more about what happens like once they discover that she's actually stone cold sober. But um, it was a very interesting film. A little bit suspenseful and, and just the unfolding of, you know, why she's there and, and why she does what she does was interesting. Um, tomorrow we have Minari, which I am interested. Um, I'm excited to see. I don't know anything about it. I try not to read anything about the nominated films, just so I don't know a whole lot before I go in. Um, but I know that it has, or at least I think, I know say I know. I think it has the, the guy from um, Glenn from Walking Dead in it. Oh, 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 this one I do know because um, David and Haley were talking about it. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's supposed it's to be really good. Right? What? It's Korean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And, and I may be totally wrong. It may not be, it may not be him. I just, somebody told no, me that I, he's in it. I believe that that is the case because that's okay. why they were talking about it because they said, okay. you know, who's in this is Glenn from Walking Dead. I was yeah, like, oh, I, I, no, I'm not a Walking Dead. mention of that. No, I'm not a Walking um, Dead person, but I do know enough to know who Glenn is. So, Trial of the Chicago Seven, right? Which has a packed cast. Yeah, yeah that and, one was um, good. Sasha Baron Cohen is nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Which, had mm. I heard that before I saw The Spy on Netflix, I would have been like, "What?" <laughs> but um, I'm not a huge Sasha Baron Cohen fan. I'm not a huge Borat fan, but I will say in The Spy he did an incredible job with acting and he really, really impressed me. The spy is a limited series on Netflix is based on a true story about um, an Israeli spy in the, in the 1960s. If you haven't watched it, I definitely recommend it. And um, he really impressed me with his acting. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not surprised now that he's nominated for best supporting for trial of the Chicago seven. And then nomad land um, mm -hmm. with Francis McDormand, who I am a huge fan of. And that's the one that's like favored to win. You know how they do their odds of like which right. one they think is going to win based on other awards and based on other things that have happened. So Nomadland is the favorite, but we'll see. Hmm. So I'm surprised. I I one. one Night in Miami. I'm surprised that that one wasn't, unless that one is going to be, I, I'm trying to think when that came out. That might've been, that might be for next year. I don't oh, know. Oh, you know the one I missed is that. Is what? Drummer who loses his hearing and kind of has to like adjust to life in a world where sound was everything to him. It, it, um, I'm sorry, I lost you for a moment. So I, I heard you say, I know the one I missed and then. Oh, it's called The Sound of Metal. Oh, okay. And it's about gotcha. a heavy metal drummer mm -hmm. who yes. loses his hearing and is trying to kind of adjust to life. And it, um, it stars Riz Ahmed. 
who I absolutely love. Like, I, I think he's wonderful. He was in an HB series, HBO series. Like, it was called, like, The Night Before or The Night the night After or something. Did you see that? Um, I don't think I saw it, but I know... I, I know I, I know of it. Yeah, I'm trying to remember whether I did see it. I don't think so, but I do know of it. So, All yeah. Right. Mm. So anyway, I'll I'll let you know. I'll give you an update and let you know after tomorrow what my vote is. Right now, my vote is the father with Anthony mm. Hopkins, but we'll see after tomorrow. And then I also try to watch the Best Actor, Best Actress. Nom I mean, best yeah, Best Actor, Best Actress nominees that are not included in best picture right. um so we're going to be watching ma rainey's i think it's oh, ma rainey's black, black bottom because chadwick boseman yes. is uh nominated and is the favored um to win and viola that. davis is nominated and the other night we watched pieces of a woman with vanessa yes. kirby really good very powerful yeah. Film. yeah so um so yeah so yeah i'm I'm excited. And for that little tiny minority of you out there who still care about films and the Oscars and who wins. Yay. It's Oscar season. Oscars <laughs> is like my Super Bowl. So <laughs> as you know, I only watch the Super Bowl for commercials. I know the Super Bowl is big for you, especially I, depending on the teams that are playing, but exactly. this is my Super Bowl. Definitely. And, and you know, there's a chance that I might see the Oscars next week because I will not be home. And so I will be in a place where I will not be in charge of the television right. so if the people with whom i am with watch it then i may see it who knows and that's see, the only i don't way watch it with anyone well i watch it with my husband i right. i have usually about 10 text conversations that are ongoing throughout the ceremony of of people that i'm texting with right. and um for the last couple of years in my ultraviolets reading group we've done like a a post where everybody's commenting but I can't stand to have people here because if they talk during the acceptance speeches, it really, really gets on my nerves. So I don't have Oscar parties because of that. Like I, you know, I don't want anybody talking during the acceptance speech. Yeah, not that I think about it. I probably, the people who I'm with, we probably won't watch it because they're not big movie people. So they're television people. Yeah. So that probably would not happen. So yeah, interesting. Anyway. Um, yeah. Another thing that I think has been interesting the effect of the pandemic, I guess you would say, on on movies, television, and that and that right. that branch of the entertainment industry, um, is that you're starting to see pandemic life creep into fiction. Right. Like for instance, on This Is Us, like everybody wore masks and they, you know, had all these scenes like um when Kevin's babies were born in the hospital, like everybody had to have the mask on and they, you know, limited who could go in the hospital. And I know um, I've seen several romance novels come out that are, that are based on pandemic fiction or romance and quarantine. What are your thoughts on that? What are your feelings about that? Well, it's been interesting television wise, because when, um, you know, we do watch a lot of TV and we still watch some network TV and um, you know, everything just stopped and like, we had a few shows that went into mid-April last year, but then they just stopped. Um, so as things picked up this year, it was really interesting to watch which shows embraced it and which shows totally denied it and which shows kind of, they didn't, they didn't embrace it going in, but maybe five or six episodes 
you know, they did. And, and you can understand that because timing was weird. Because if you stopped filming in March, right. but you were in the middle of a storyline, then that storyline might have not been, you know, conducive to to adding this. Um, NCIS New Orleans, for instance, very much embraced the pandemic. You know, they talked about how how um, it hit. Well, New Orleans was an epicenter exactly. there for a while, hot spot. Exactly, and because the uh, um, medical examiner is a big part of that, you know, she what how it hit her and how they were trying to. Um, deal with the the terrible effects of you know not having enough space for all the bodies and and just you know so many different things that were happening. So that was very much um, you know part of it. Uh, the regular NCIS they did not for the like first five episodes of the season they didn't even acknowledge it and it was very interesting. My husband and I would be like, oh okay, well I guess it just you know didn't happen to Washington D.C. But then about five episodes in they did and they. And and they it was a big way. It was like they they started at one episode, and one of the main characters had lost his wife. That was referenced that she had died of COVID, um, which you know a lot of people were really upset about fan wise because this show has a tendency to get rid of a lot of its female characters. They're like, well, there goes another one. Um, now I'm a big Grey's Anatomy and Station 19 fan. And that has been interesting watching how they have dealt with it, which, um, you know, it started in in September and they, they picked up and they just, you know, ran with it. And really, even up to now, it's still it's still all about COVID and what's happening and, and what's going on. Um, and you can understand that because they're they're medical based shows. Right. I, I do think the subject matter of the show um, matters. Like, like if, you know, if you're doing something like NCIS or you're doing something like Grey's Anatomy, right. um, those shows kind of regularly reflect headlines and they regularly mm -hmm. reflect things that are going on in real life. So I, I think it would be odd if they didn't cover it. Um, I'm kind of torn about it in other cases. Like I, I, I will say I found it somewhat distracted distracting and this is us right. it was like one episode there was nothing and the next episode right. everyone's masked up and they're quarantining and there's yeah. this it was just kind of like yeah. okay um it felt like it was like this blatant look we're we're showing it like so yeah. rather than it being something that naturally occurred in the story it seemed like it was kind of forced but i mean not that covid naturally occurred in any of our life stories but yeah. um i don't know so i'm torn i i don't think that i would seek out romance novels or fiction novels that were specifically about uh covid or quarantine and i get that some people want to see real life reflected um i i i'm kind of more in the escape fiction kind of thing of like i don't know yeah. that i want to really read well, about it. i i read about it in the news and i don't know that i want to read about it in my fiction having just um I'm in the middle of releases right now. And of course they're medical romance. So as I went to write this next um, trilogy, um, you know, because the first, the first trilogy in this series was written during the pandemic and was released during the pandemic. But I made a decision because the storyline had been um, set up well before the pandemic. And so I made a decision not to include it. Um, but now, you know, it, it really was a choice. I, you know, as as they're going into hospitals and different things are happening, I was making a. I was finding myself going, "Oh, would they be allowed to do this? Would they be allowed?" And I had to just finally say, "No." In in this world, this maybe happened 
in in 2018 and 2019, right. you know, not 2020. Well, the thing is, like, people were saying, like, oh, you know, you have to reflect the times that you're in or whatever. Right. But I don't think that, you know, if I read a novel in the be in the beginning of the 70s or the late 60s and it doesn't bring up Vietnam or it doesn't bring up, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I don't know if that was early 70s. I don't know what it the was. years were for it Vietnam. Was. I was. was a baby. But anyway, right. what I'm saying is, I, I don't think that when I read novels, I look to, well, what was going on in the world when this novel was set and am and is it reflected accurately in here? If it's about that, then yeah, I want right. it to be accurate. But if not, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I if you're reading, fiction. if you're reading a romance where somebody like it's military romance and they don't mention Vietnam, that's probably a problem. Right, and, and right. It's because a subject matter, or if, a, if it's a hospital, if it's a medical romance right. exactly. and it was set in this year right. and they didn't mention it, then yeah. that's I, then yes. that's not plausible. But I, I, but I feel like if you're setting it in a totally fictional kind of like, I feel like sometimes fiction runs in an alternate on an alternate universe where right. like maybe it happened at the same time, but nothing that happened in the real world happened over here in this right. fiction world. Well, there's certain know. things like, like Nora Roberts wrote a, I mean, Oh, this has probably been 25 or 30 years ago. Maybe not quite that, but she wrote a, a, a series um, about a family who, um, sorry, my, <laughs> what's it called? It just popped on my, not Alexa, but my other person. Siri. <laughs> I, yes, and you know what it was? I said series. Oh, yeah, that's why. She that. um, but it was about a family um, in Ireland. Yeah, and, it wasn't they, that long were, ago. No, they were in. They were. Um, it was the McGregors. Yeah, year one, the Chronicles. But it wasn't. No. It wasn't. No, year one is not it. No, 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 no. Because they were it, in Ireland. Yeah, but she writes a lot of stories about Ireland. She writes a lot of stories about Ireland. The McGregors were quite a while ago. I still lived in New Jersey, so it's been at least 15 or 20 years. Um, and then maybe a year later, she wrote about their grown children. So, you know, you, you have this, you have this, um, you know, this set of people who are falling in love and getting married and then the next year you're you know it was like a soap opera where little little right. charlie was, was two years old then all of a sudden he's 20 and dating your your understanding of timelines and and whatever is uh is suspended you kind of suspend it to make it yeah. work you suspend disbelief and yeah. you know for me um i try not to i'm very cognizant i had an editor early on who said watch how you um describe technology and certain things in your book because if you, you can yeah you can really put a parameter and having I just did a uh, a four book set for um, another author who had recovered her um, her rights and wanted uh, you know wanted the books up to date because they had been written in the late 90s and you know so when you do that you're like wow a lot has changed you know well even West. like my editor um, I had a I, I, there was something that I said in a book where, um, she rolled her window down. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And the editor was like, we don't roll windows down anymore. Nobody yeah. rolls or windows down. Like, you know, well, that's why I always down like to or... put people in, um, in vintage cars because a vintage yeah. car is going to be the same. You, you're driving a 1965 Mustang. It's not going to change. You're going to roll the window down. That's right. <laughs> that's a good yeah. idea. That's a yeah. good strategy. Yeah. But Did it you is, read it is... your one? I have it next to my bed to read, but a good friend of mine said, please do not read it until after the pandemic yes. is over. 
I would agree with that because I had a, um, a, a reader who, who told me this is my all-time favorite book and you absolutely have to read it. And this was last, maybe last May, May or June, when we were like in full-on, right. <laughs> like what the hell's happening mode. And uh, it, it's about a virus, you know, yeah. obviously that takes over. And I will tell you, I think had I read the book when it came out in 2017, I would have been like, oh my God, that's a really cool idea. But reading it in the midst of a global pandemic, I was like, oh, holy shit. So uh, yeah. yeah. No, no, that's, yeah, no. I, as I said, it's next to my bed. I think I picked up a bunch of different um, Nora Roberts books. I have a tendency to enjoy hers enough that if I'm out and I see you know, if I'm at a, an antique store, a vintage bookstore or something, and I see, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that, but I'm going to, I'm going to get it to read again. again, because why not? Yeah. Yeah, you can always so, reread a Nora. Yeah. So anytime that you can, um, that you can write something and not date it. I, I was actually thinking about this the other day, because my Crystal Co. series, um, it's very specific that she was a teenager in the 80s because that is that is part of you know she in, in the story the main character in the posse is um is in her early 40s and she was a teenager in the 80s and right. this is this now sets that book when it is because you know i mean it, i don't think it would make anybody go oh i can't read this now it's so outdated it's not you know there's not a whole lot of uh, technology but it is well true. that's what with um with uh crossing paths and and william and Catherine, and as you know you know i went back and told the story of how they met when they were teenagers and yeah. i said it with her being a teenager in the 80s because i knew that right. <laughs> and i knew i didn't have to go research a whole lot of like what it was it like to be a teenager then i was like well this will be safe I'll, I'll write this and then so yeah same thing it does date you know when that book takes place but you know, what's very interesting is that I have read a lot of different stories lately where um, they've talked about the grandmother or the grandfather or whatever, and they talk about the grandmother or the grandfather um, as though they lived through the Depression. And and I'll think to myself, you know, and, and how what, old are part they? Of me, right, part of me is like, well, that's right, because my grandparents did live through the Depression, but I'm 54 years old. So right. if, right. if the heroine in this book is supposed to be in her mid 20s, there's a problem there because my children's grandparents were born, you know, right in the middle of World War II, did right. not live through the Depression. So, and my children are the age that most contemporary romance that's not, you know, um, uh, advanced advanced age woman <laughs> what is it what is it called seasoned um, romance seasoned um, romance thank yeah, you i mature couldn't think heroine. Of mature heroine henlet Hen oh i hate that one i hate that one <laughs> well at any rate my kids are around the ages that that they would be so whenever i try to i'm writing a heroine i try to think okay she's about the age of this child of mine so her grandparents would have been getting married in the 60s or the 70s and you know, it's, but we still have this mindset as a society that if you're a grandparent, you know, <laughs> you. Well, but I think that, I think it's a time thing because exactly like that, that meme said, you know, that if we're talking about the, the eighties now, that's like someone in the eighties talking about the forties. Okay. Like, I think that I will always and forevermore think of oldies as being the fifties oh, and early sixties music. Yep. Well, oldies is the eighties and nineties at this point. You know what I mean? But like, 
with me growing up, what the oldies were was 50s and 60s. So it's very possible that these authors who are aging this with them growing up, grandparents grew up in the in the depression. Right? So yeah. you kind of like whatever you grew up with, that's kind of the time period that you are perpetually. Yeah. That's your yeah. default. That's your default it. time period. <laughs> Yeah. It's just interesting. It's how, how our mindset works and you know. Yeah. 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 I so. mean, 1990 was like what, 20, 30 years ago, 30, 30 years, ago. years ago. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. 31 years ago to be exact. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know. Wow. And it's, it's funny because like having conversations with um, my sons are both 22 and having conversations with them about, vaccinations has been very interesting because my son is like, you know, how can the government say that you have to get a vaccination for something before you can do stuff? He goes, that's, I mean, you know, I don't think they've ever done that before. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah, uh, to go to school, to do certain, like to travel certain places. Like I go, yeah, there's, they're actually, yeah, that's been done. I'm like, that's, you know, kind of how they eradicated polio. Smallpox. Yeah. And and then he was like, he goes, yeah, but they're saying now that you have to get a booster every year. I mean, how crazy is that? How nuts would that be if you had to go get a shot every year? And I'm like, flu shot. Like, (laughs) so it's funny how like. We did have to get boosters. Yeah. Um, But it's funny how like if you're young. We're about to have an issue here. We're, We're about to have an animal issue. So. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just forestalling the it's wars. It's a live here. podcast, guys. It is a live podcast. Whatever tonight. happens, you know, cats and dogs living together, and they're not pandemonium. Happy with each other. Yes, not pandemic pandemonium. I'm going to lift up a, a dog here so that he's out of. Look, he's making a special appearance. Oh, he doesn't. Hi. He doesn't appear on just every podcast. Hi. Say hi. Yeah, and for those of you who are listening and not watching, there's an absolutely adorable little white dog. There you are. Yeah, you're adorable. And there's a and there's a cat who's trying to come over and and harass him because that's how because we roll cats here. are not adorable. <laughs> he's he's also adorable. You can say a lot of things about cats, but I don't think cats are adorable. I think they can be handsome and they can be majestic and they can be a lot of things, but I've never seen. A cat that's adorable. Kittens, yes. But cats? Okay. I don't know. Well, at any rate, yes, our, our timing is, uh, is, is very interesting in how we see things. Oh, and, and the vaccinations, yes. That's, I mean, to me, boosters were what you always, you know, really. But even I think for that's, Barbados, that's at 22, yeah. like, that's not something that's in his, you know, yeah. that's not something he's really experienced or thought about. I mean, he, he got vaccinations as a baby and as a small child and he got boosters, you know, right. but it's not something that, that, you know, to the, to him, all of this is so new, you know, oh my gosh, yeah. you're going to make that, you know, they want you to take a shot every year. Yeah. You take <laughs> a flu shot every year, son, you get, you get a nasal flu thing every year. Oh, I guess I do. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, all right. Well, I would love Tatra doesn't really care, but I would love to hear from you if you have seen any of the Oscar-dominated movies or if you're watching the Oscars or what your opinion is on Best Picture. Maybe your opinion of Best Picture is something that has not been nominated and I really need to see it. So please comment on our Facebook page and open dialogue. 
Um, or you can email us at opendialogue1 at gmail.com. We can both be found on social media, all the places. Um, you can find Todra's books on todracandle.com. It's funny because I normally ask you to say yours because I don't want to screw it up. And I was like, I'll just go ahead and say it. And I screwed it up. Todracandle.com. And mine is violethow.com. And do you have anything else that you need to add? I don't think so. I uh, Tell us about you. I know you're in the midst of releasing. I but tell us, tell us the latest and greatest and the upcoming, just so that everybody knows. Um, the first two in the second trilogy in Diagnosis Love are released. That's oh, cool. um, Intentional Grounding and Ineligible Receiver. And the third one comes out on this coming Tuesday, and it is Illegal Touching. And they are football and medical romance. I was going to say, these sound like football titles. They are. are you sure they're medical romance? They are. Yeah. She's a doctor. Okay. He's a football player. You know, right, there you sometimes go. it happens. Um, and uh, also my holiday, uh, yes. my, my monthly holiday series that came out, the Easter one came out on April 7th. Yeah. So what is May going to be? May is May You Be Mine in a Small Town. And it's really Aww. fun. It's about a... Uh, a, a a billionaire who is coming incognito to the small town of of uh, um, Georgia, you know the town in Georgia where Burton, Burton Georgia. Folks, it's when you write a, a book time. a month, you just right? can't I remember know. some Burton, of the details. Georgia. Well, you know, I have I have several small towns now, um, Burton, Georgia, and she comes because she's she's bored. She's a bored billionaire, and she's she's incognito, and she uh, strikes up a relationship with um, a guy who's in a contest to try to get funding for his small business and uh, which is a brewery and Sounds so like a match made in heaven yeah so we'll a four billionaire and a dude yeah. who makes money yeah exactly and then um june is the prom one which is also super fun that one's kind of like a um you belong with me taylor swift you know yeah. Except it's teachers it's teachers and July, oh, July is going to be fun because that's a little bit more seasoned romance. That's a, a widow who uh, hires a guy to fix her porch in time for the 4th of July party. And fireworks nice. ensue. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, yeah, that's what's going I on. I have to tell you, and I know you're writing fiction, but I have to tell you that I just think if I was a billionaire, mm -hmm. I don't know that I would get bored. I can think of a lot of stuff I could do. Yeah. If I was a billionaire. But, you know, that's that's her whole thing is that she makes the mistake of during an interview saying, you know, they said, what's your what's the biggest problem that you have? And she says, well, I'm bored. And her friends are appalled that she said this because they said, you know, that is like the most you're not reading the temperature of the room. You're not you're not you know, that's that's just right. Most know your audience. Yeah, say. exactly. The so climate. She wants to, you know, this is this is kind of her uh, her way of of both beating boredom and of making it look good. So. Um, All right. Yeah, so we'll see. And you, how? What's going on in in the oh my gosh? <laughs> okay, well, I had a dream that you had a book released. Yeah, and you were and in, in the dream you were like mad really that I didn't mad. let you read it first. I know, I really was. Um. Okay, so I am in a little transition phase where I am putting down a book that I've been working on for a few months now because I just don't like it. <laughs> And if I am not interested in the story, I don't see how anybody else would be either. So I have made the very painful decision. It felt like a failure for a long time. And I've made the very painful decision to postpone that book. 
Mm -hmm. And so uh, I am now working on the second book in Cedar Creek Suspense. Oh, um, awesome. Yes. So I'm excited about that. I actually had a conversation with a flight attendant yesterday about crash procedures. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I also am working on, um, we just announced this week, the Soul Sisters at Cedar Mountain Lodge authors just announced this week that we are all going to be releasing another story set in that world. So these books will all release in November and they will take place um, um, anywhere from a year to three years after the original series that was released last year. So I'm excited to revisit Maddie and her mom, Claire, who everybody loves and, um, and kind of explore that. And I'm also, um, I, I think I told you before that I was working on a vampire series and I yes. actually have been doing a lot of research and uh oh. Okay. Well, we just lost Violet, and I'm not really sure why we did, but I know that she is um, saying that she's been doing a lot of research in uh, on her vampire book, and I'm very excited about it because um, I have heard bits and pieces of the storyline, and I can't wait for her to release it. So, um, and she will maybe elaborate a little bit about that when we release this. So, uh, for anybody who's listening to this on podcast, she just vanished. Um, perhaps the vampires did not want her spilling the beans, so to speak. So I'm going to say that uh, please follow us. Please hit subscribe either on YouTube, if you're watching us on YouTube, or on uh, your podcast uh, presenter of choice. Um, you can follow us on uh, Facebook, um, an open dialogue, and you can email us at an open dialogue one at gmail.com. You can find us on social media and we're looking forward to seeing you next month. So thank you so much for listening. Keep in touch and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.